Costa sunglasses are made to help you make the most of your time on the water. So if you're the kind of person who gets land sick instead of seasick, and who wrings out every last drop of the water, and who waves hello to waves whenever you get the chance, you've got to pick up a pair of Costas. The polarized lenses cut through glare, they block out sun that bounces off the water, and they help you see what's below the surface. So it's ideal for fishermen or folks that spend a lot of time on the water, whether you're paddleboarding, kayaking, or you like to hike around a lot of water where it glares at you a lot. Perfect sunglasses for that. The 580 lens technology enhances comfort and color and brings out beauty and helps you stay out there longer. They've also done other things like engineering hinges that stand up to salt water, and they've incorporated materials that enhance comfort and keep the frames in place where they belong. Find the frame for your pursuit at costasunglasses.com so that you can see what's out there. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rentals. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Oh, man, what a week so far. I don't know how it's been going for you, but it's been long on this end. Um, Today's episode is with Junaid Daoud. He... And his buddy Luke climbed all of Colorado's 14ers. And if you're familiar with those, that's a heck of a challenge. Um, And not only did they climb them all, they walked to each one. They made it a through hike, essentially. This is a combination of all sorts of trails, like forest roads, uh, bushwhacking slash cross-country travel. Uh, It traverses. It's crazy. It's a 1,300-mile through hike that you're doing all by yourself because no one else is out there doing that that exact adventure. Um, if you don't know, I was interviewed on the show a few years ago because I was attempting to do this by bicycle. I was doing it, um, climbing the mountains in between each one, biking instead of hiking just because I didn't have that much time off. And I'm a wimp like that. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but I failed. Um, I ended up getting pretty bogged down in the San Juans um, and had an injury, but, but this adventure to me is so, gosh, it's so crazy. Cause some of those 14ers are intense and these are like class five climbs. And to just know that you're hiking through them all is incredibly impressive to me. I hope you enjoy today's sponsors. You're familiar with them by now, athletic brewing. If you haven't tried them just for the sake of me talking about it all the time, give them a shot. Discount in the show notes, non-alcoholic craft beer, great stuff. They were just in the New York Times. They're legit. Give them a shot. CS Instant Coffee. After you have your athletic brewing, that evening, the next morning, wake up to a nice fresh cup of CS Instant 
100% Arabica coffee. Take it with you anywhere you want to go in the outdoors. Discount also in the show notes. All right, folks, let's get into this. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Travis Parsons. Some people spend their lifetime attempting to climb every one of Colorado's 14,000-foot peaks, and many never get close. In 2013, Junaid Daoud and his friend Luke set out to summit each and every 14er in one single trip. Junaid is here with me today to tell us all about it. Junaid, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Hey, thanks. So you guys have trail names. Let's start out with what your trail name is and how did you come by it? Uh, so, well, I actually have a trail name, but Luke did did not have a trail name. We we really didn't use them on the 14ers hike since no, nobody was really out there, so to speak. Um, uh, my trail name is Special 41, and I got it on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2006. And it was basically after make it, making a smart aleck comment, uh, you know, about being special because my mommy said so. And... Uh, <laughs> And I, I kind of got, I got stuck with it after that. Um, at first <laughs> I was resistant. Um, and then I made an agreement and then I still didn't really think that I was going to keep it. It was going to like change or something, but it's really grown on me. And there are definitely a number of people who, who know me first as, as special. <laughs> That's funny. I imagine a lot of trail names go, uh, with resistance at first until people agree to adopt them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it, it's a little odd when you're out there at first. You're like, oh, you know, I don't want to just get a trail name for anything. And so people, you know, and some people obviously never take a trail name, but I, I think they're kind of great. It's a lot easier to remember a name like Railroad or something than than Bob, you know, so. Yeah, and they always provide a good backstory, something to break the ice with people too. So when's Luke going to get his trail name? Um, I, you know, I don't know if he will. Uh, he, if, if he ends up doing any more distance hiking, um, you know, he, he may or may not end up getting one. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So take a few minutes to tell us about yourself and what got you started? What got you hooked on through hiking and climbing 14ers? Uh, so, well, you know, I always kind of was brought up going outside a little bit uh we used to go camping and for a little while we were actually living in our property um in tents um before we got a house in town so for like you know probably a good five months while i was a teenager we actually lived outside um i was also in the boy scouts during middle school uh, and went on a, a few pretty great trips with them some rafting trips and a couple of trips up to like mount saint helens and things like that so i i definitely had you know, the outdoors to some degree in my, in my upbringing. Um, when I got older, I moved out to Hawaii to go to, to college and it was definitely out there on the trails around Honolulu and some of the surrounding islands as well, where I, uh, really kind of became a, a real hiker. That's cool. So if you've been able to experience hiking, uh, in a few different parts, at least on the, the West side of the States, what, uh, what would you say is your, still your most favorite place to hike? Oh man, there's so many great places. Uh, I mean, honestly, anywhere that somebody is, there's probably a great hike within a half an hour to an hour drive of where they are. Um, on the West Coast, there's obviously lots of, of pretty iconic spots. You've got the areas around Crater Lake and you know uh, um, Goat Rocks Wilderness in Washington. 
the John Muir Trail, I think, is some of the, the finest hiking trail in, in the U.S. Um, obviously, in Hawaii, there's some pretty fantastic views, but the trail is not always that great. A lot of times, it's just a ridge with a muddy path, if if that. Um, but there's some pretty amazing hiking to be had out in Hawaii as well. That's cool. Yeah, I need to get out to Hawaii. It's uh, it's uh, one of those on my bucket list yeah, in due time. It's definitely worth the time. So tell me a little bit more, tell me a lot more, actually, about this trip that you guys did in, in 2013. What made you decide to do this? I mean, this is a, it's a pretty serious endeavor. Most people, like I said, you know, attempt to, to do it in a lifetime, and you guys decided to do it in a single trip. How did that all kick off? Well, so I originally moved to Colorado after having completed the Pacific Crest Trail um, in 2006. And then in 2007, I finished the, the miles that I hadn't done in 2006. So after having completed the PCT once, I moved to Colorado, ended up hiking it again with a friend of mine and going all the way through that time. And a couple of years later, I, I was really feeling like I hadn't been able to take advantage of living in Colorado as far as climbing 14ers and climbing peaks, which was really one of the reasons that I moved to the state in the first place. Um, and in 2012, I was already sort of thinking about my next hike and what, it, what I wanted it to be. And I had originally thought I would, I would hike the Continental Divide Trail in 2013. Uh, but after sort of a, a day when we took the dog to the lake, um, I remember sitting in the back seat and we were going along and the dog gets crazy as, as we cross the, uh, the highway. Cause it, it realizes then that like, you know, Oh, we're going to the lake. So right about the time the dog started going nuts, I remember just this idea of, you know, like, well, you know, you're not climbing the, the 14ers like you wanted to, and you, and you want to hike. So like, why don't you just hike to all of the 14ers? And, and I remember thinking and thinking the thought and immediately thinking, Hmm, I wonder if you even can. And, uh, it went from sort of the curiosity of, I wonder whether I could do that or whether, wonder whether it can be done, what the mileage would be, what, what the terrain looks like, you know, the whole bit. Um, so the more I started thinking about it, the more I thought, yeah, that's, that, that can be done. There's no logistical reason it can't be. Um, and then it was sort of a matter of, well, do I feel like I'm up to that challenge? And, you know, I, I had at that point completed the Pacific Crest Trail twice. Um, I've definitely climbed some 14ers before. Uh, I'm a pretty good rock climber. I deal really well with elevation. I, I had been living in Aspen for a few years and, and a lot of times working up on top of the mountain in Aspen. So, you know, I, I had a pretty good feeling for how I dealt with things at elevation. And, uh, it sort of just went from curiosity to an obsession to planning. And before I knew it, it was, you know, it was, it was, all right, let's do this. So you convinced, uh, your buddy Luke to join in. How was that difficult? Uh, it wasn't difficult. I mean, it took a little bit of time for, you know, after, I kind of had a short list of people that that I thought maybe I'd invite along because I wasn't wasn't really sure I wanted to try to do it as a solo trip. Um, right. You know, distance hiking can get lonely and and climbing fourteeners can get dangerous. And uh, I really thought like it would be 
I thought it would be a good idea to to have a partner for the trip. Um, and Luke was basically at the top of the short list for people I knew that I thought had a good mountaineering background and would be able to to cope when it came to the distance hiking aspects of it. And uh, I asked him if he was into it. Told told him I was going to do it, and that I, that that I thought it'd be great if he'd come along and, and do it with me. And uh, he thought about it for a little while and then said, yeah, all right. You know, T- took him a couple of weeks to sort of mull it over. And I think once he was convinced himself that it was possible, um, then it was a little easier for him to say, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Right. Okay. So I imagine that was a pretty short list then because I can't ima- I can't think of many people that would go out you know, and then tackle that endeavor. I mean, just climbing a single 14er is bad enough. You know, some of these can be pretty serious climbs. Other, others are fairly easy hikes. But just sit there and do all 58 of them in one shot. That's, uh, like I said, that's got to be a pretty short list. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not for everybody. I, I mean, I don't consider myself to be some sort of top-tier athlete or anything like that. I'm first and foremost a, a long-distance backpacker. And and I really think that distance backpacking is something that, that most people can do. Um, they might not be able to do it fast. They might not be able to do a bunch of high passes all the time, you know, what, whatever the case may be. But, but primarily I'm a distance backpacker and, uh, and I enjoy climbing peaks. Um, so honestly, I mean, I, I wasn't entirely sure I was the person to be able to do it until I got to the top of Long's Peak and finished it. Um, you know, out on the the PCT, I certainly met a number of pretty hardcore hikers and people that had some some good experience. Um, when I moved to Colorado, I met Luke, and it was you know pretty apparent from the get go that he and I would probably end up doing some adventures together. And so, you know, I I know that he had done some mountaineering, including in the Himalayas and South America. He's gone through some Knowles courses he's so I mean he's he's done some things and he enjoys um long distance like human powered kind of stuff he's done relay races and you know mountain bike races and 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 enjoys doing uh ski tour races all that kind of stuff so he's uh you know he's he's pretty hardcore he's definitely more hardcore than I I would say (laughs) <laughs> well, it makes a big difference when you can find somebody that you click with. Um, there's got to be some trying times out there and that kind of hike that, uh, that really puts you to the test mentally. If you don't have somebody there that can either deal with you or you can deal with them, then things can blow up pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Luke has a great temperament. He's, uh, he's got a sort of, well, you know, that's, how, that's what things are today kind of an attitude. And for the most part, I think we got along fantastically on the trip. We, we obviously, each of us had a couple of days throughout the journey where we were probably not very good company for the other, but uh, I think that by and large, we made, we made a good team in that when one of us was kind of having a down day, the other one would kind of be able to recognize that and sort of help keep the spirits buoyed or whatever, you know, or in some cases just slow the pace so that you know, for instance, there was one, one day I was having some incredibly bad, um, shin splint type pain and he just kind of was like, Hey man, yeah, we'll just, we'll just slow down. We'll take it easy. We'll stretch, hydrate, make sure that you can, you know, make it. And, uh, and we did. Um, so I, I really feel like we were, 
pretty good at balancing out both each other's high and low points, as well as being able to sort of balance out each other's skill sets for the trip. Yeah, that's a huge benefit. Well, it's a testament too that you guys are still buddies after all that. So <laughs> I think you must uh, must have had a good thing going in to begin with. That's cool. So has anybody, to your knowledge, attempted this hike before you guys? So there were two guys that actually did something pretty similar, um, although I didn't find any real record of it until after we had completed. Um, I'd found like one paragraph on the internet somewhere um, about some guys who had done some kind of a walking tour in 1985. Uh, after After we completed the trip, we found out from a college paper, I believe up in Fort Collins, um, that there had been back in 1985, three guys that started and two guys that finished it. They did the, uh, I believe the list of 53 that was then standard, um, and also raised money for a charity, uh, with their hike. So there were some interesting parallels. I actually ended up getting in touch with the fellow, uh, that was mentioned in the paper and, and chatted with him a little bit. And I look forward to hoping, hopefully meeting up with him at some point and, being able to swap maps and look at photos and things like that and kind of see, see the similarities and differences. Uh, Cause the two trips happened, you know, obviously, you know, 30 years apart. It was so pr- pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be neat to compare notes and see how, what uh, order they had done them in the time that they had done them and all that, that good stuff. So you never managed to meet up with them? No, I haven't met up with them. Uh, you know, life sort of uh, get, gets in the way of things sometimes and i haven't really uh been in touch with them for a while not since a couple of weeks after i found out about the about their trip athletic brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer yeah i said non-alcoholic craft beer and there's a number of reasons you might want to do that whether you're training for an event which a lot of our listeners are or, you know, if, you, if you're babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens, I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer, this is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories. With IPA, golden ales, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings, Athletic Brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste. Uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, If you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. I assumed you guys added up the the distance of this entire hike. Did you go on Google Earth or something and, and lay out the whole thing to find out how far you actually did travel? Uh, sort of. Yeah. So what I did is I pieced together all of the, the bits that we had, which were basically each day we'd turn on the GPS, but it would record as separate tracks. Um, so I put those all into, uh, a Garmin program, um, and, uh, also kind of cross-checked it in CalTOPO to sort of try to figure out what the true distances and elevation gains were. Um, but all told, it looked like it was about 1,350 miles uh, from the beginning all the way until we'd sort of exited after completing the, the peaks. To Officially, we sort of designated the peak of Calebra and the, the peak of Longs to be the starting point and the finishing point. 
Um, but including the climbs and descents of those two peaks, uh, it ended up being about, yeah, 1,350. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you're allowed to add that in. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a heck of a trek. <laughs> yeah, and all told, we don't, you know, we're not entirely sure what the elevation gain was. Uh, the mapping software is, I don't think, terribly conclusive. And I've, I've definitely had some other people tell me that they think it, it's actually higher than we've said. Uh, our GPS only goes up to 100,000 feet. And after that, it doesn't, it doesn't measure additional elevation gain. Um, <laughs> not too many people have that problem. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, obviously it's not, not going to be an issue for most users, but for us, it was like, Oh no, well, we don't really know. Um, but according to the mapping software, it was some, somewhere North of 300,000 feet. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's just got to blow your mind to, to sit back some days and, and think about that at times. I mean, you're the one that did it and, you know, it's, it's in your past, a couple of years in your past, but don't you just sit there and, and think about that from time to time? Just thinking, how, how did I do that? That's amazing. Oh, sure. I mean, well, you know, I don't think there's many days that go by that I don't think of one of my long distance endeavors, um, either one of my PCT hikes or the 14ers hike. And the 14ers hike in particular is in some ways feels almost disconnected. Uh, it was so intense and, and, 72 days is long, but, you know, it was relatively fast as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th I think about it. Uh, it. It still amazes me sometimes that we managed to pull it off, that we got lucky enough, um, that we physically were able to do it, that we were mentally able to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's – every time I look at Long's Peak, I, I certainly get a little bit nostalgic and – kind of go, wow, dude. Yeah, that really happened. Yeah, I, I, I feel you there. The, um, I certainly haven't climbed all 58 peaks, but I have climbed longs and, and it was one of the hardest things I've done in my life. Um, just that one peak and living just right at the foot of it and looking up at it. There are many, many days where I just look up and think, yeah, that was, that was a great day. It was brutal, but it was great. They make, uh, for fond memories for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of have this idea that everybody should at least once in their life try to do something that they think is amazing. You know, impress yourself, you know, do it safely, people, but but impress yourself. And uh, and I definitely feel like I at least accomplished that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> That's one to take with you. So you've done the PCT a couple of times and you've done this crazy hike of 1,350 miles across all 58 14ers. Um, so does that mean you haven't done the Continental Divide Trail or the uh, Pacific Crest Trail yet? Uh, well, I haven't done the Appalachian Trail or the Continental Divide Trail. Um, oh, that's right. I said Pacific. <laughs> yeah, I think pro yes. probably next on the list is my, uh, is for me, is the Continental Divide Trail. Okay. Um there's there's really no shortage of hiking trips I'd like to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Given given the time and the money, I I don't think I'd stop for very long at all. <laughs> so why would you encourage people that have never done a hike like this, or at least have never done a, a 14er climb? Why would you encourage them to get up and and give it a go? That's a great perspective. Um, you know, to get up on top of something like that and. I mean, you know, for instance, most of the peaks, you know, you can go up and, and they're not really uh, 
a rock climb. You know, you don't need to rope up for them. You don't, they're not super, super hairy. A lot of them, quite honestly, are, are long walks up that require a lot of heavy breathing. Um, but most people can do that. And I'll tell you that, that feeling of, of getting to the top of a peak and just looking out at the amazing view and knowing that you used your body to get it, to get up there to, for that view. Um, it's, it's a great feeling. It's definitely one of accomplishment and one that, that, that gets a little bit addictive, I'd say. Um, but it's uh it's great exercise. Um, and man, you meet some great people when you're out there in the mountains too. Yeah, that's very true. And I like that you bring up the point about, you know, it's just, it's about getting there and, and feeling like you can accomplish something. It doesn't have to be one of the steeper peaks and, you know, one of the ones that, uh, that you can fall to your death on. I've climbed Mount Huron and that was just a beautiful walk on a beautiful day. And you get up and you see amazing views once you get up there. So yeah, I would say, you know, people haven't tried it, try a smaller mountain like that. You still get up there, you still get the views, but you're not exerting a ton of energy and it gets you a feel for, uh, for getting into the, uh, to the sport to see how you like it to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as far as the, the hiking aspect of it goes, honestly, most people have got, got trails around them. And even if there aren't trails, there's usually forest service roads or BLM roads. And, you know, I think it's just, it's a good idea to get out and, and just walk in the places that you live, uh, check out the nearby trails. And, and even if it's only a half hour walk, that's good for you, you know? gets your gets your mind uh calmed a little bit of sweat a little bit of breathing um and i i think everybody could use a little bit more of that in their life <laughs> nothing wrong with a little bit of exercise so was there one amazing moment that you experienced that you just thought i am here doing the right thing right now this is really cool well honestly i mean there are a lot of them um you know, for instance, most of the time, anytime we got to the top of a peak, there was, I mean, it's a real punctuation of like emotion, right? You know, all right, cool. One more. We did one more. Um, I think when we, when we got to the point when that we realized we were counting down the number that we had left rather than counting up the number that we had completed, I think there was an interesting shift that day where it was like, oh man, we're not, you know, we're not just trying to do it. We're mostly done at this point. You know, we've only got 10 peaks left or we've only got eight peaks left, you know? So that definitely, you know, once we could, would could sort of count them all on one hand, that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. So, so I didn't ask, how long did it actually take you guys to do this? 72 days. Wow. That's a trip. We had a few days off in there. Some of them, you know, due to, uh, inclement weather, uh, one do a couple of them were just planned rest days. Um, but yeah, we had like one day where we needed to pick up a package. So we had to stay an extra day in town. Uh, we had another day that we went up, um, made camp, got severely snowed on. Uh, the next morning I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to climb a peak this day. Let's go on back <laughs> down to town and we'll do this tomorrow. So we we walked out and then came back the, the next day and went up and over Grays and Tories. Yeah, you probably enjoyed that day much more than uh, you would have, have you had just set out that day, the snowy day? Yeah, we were pretty good about making the most conservative call as far as whoever felt, you know, like, oh, we should 
we should maybe not do this, which to be honest, was me most of the time. Um, you know, it was usually me going, oh, I don't know. I think maybe we should just sit it out for the, the rest of the day and, and come at it fresh tomorrow. Um, like I said, Luke's, Luke's a tougher guy than I am. And, uh, and so for him, he was usually a little bit more, you know, ready to, to go for things. And I was, I was usually the one that was kind of like, well, I don't know. I think, I think maybe let's make camp. <laughs> I wanna... Well, you need that balance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and well, I mean, it was great too. Just sometimes when we were, st- you know, standing somewhere and trying to figure out, well, which way are we going to actually go here? How are we going to go about getting up this slope? Um, it was, it was nice to be able to sort of bounce back and forth and say, well, what looks good to you? What looks good to me? You know? And, uh, and when we were both right on, on, you know, thinking the same thing, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I feel a little bit better about the choices we're making here then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So did you guys have a, were you elated when you finished? Were you, did you feel disappointed when it was all over with? I know when I go on a long motorcycle ride or something, you know, multi-day trip, uh, it's that last day when you're coming back and you're thinking, I've got to stop. This is, this can't be right. Was it, was it like that? Or were you guys just really, truly done with the trip at that point? I mean, both. It's always both, you know? Um, I think most people that have ever gotten, you know, for instance, on the PCT, you get to the Canadian border and there's the monument and most people stop there and hang out and spend some time. And, and I don't think there's any way to, to not feel a little bit regretful that it's over because it represents such a high, amazing time in your life. But on the other hand, I mean, it's physically exhausting. You're tired of being dirty and sore. You want to see your family and friends, you know, there, you so there, there's definitely, you know, two sides to it. Um, I, I was definitely ready to be done in the sense that, like, I, I mean, I'd lost, you know, 20, 25 pounds. Um, I was tired, you know. My back had also been kind of giving me a lot of problems for about the, the last, like, week of the trip. So, yeah, I was, I was ready to, to lay down, which is pretty much what I did when I got home. I, you know, when I got home, I more or less laid on the floor for a week. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> you would think one person would uh, would want a nice cushy bed when they get off a trip like that, but you probably did the right thing. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I uh, I went from bed to floor and back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> some some eating in there as well. <laughs> Just relaxing, whatever it was, it was relaxing. Yeah, absolutely. So, how about a story when things didn't quite go right on that trip? There must have been a, a few hairy moments. Well, I mean, like I said, there was the, for instance, the day that we uh, went up Chihuahua Gulch um, and made camp with the intention of climbing Torrey's and then Gray's Peak in the morning. And overnight it snowed quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we still, we had some, we had good gear, uh, but it was still not very great weather. And I wasn't really terribly comfortable with the idea of going up with the weather the way it was and the gear that we did have. Um, we weren't outfitted for like full winter mountaineering or anything like that. So we went down to town and let it sort of the weather settle and let everything melt out. And we went back up and got right over it without too much problem. Um, so there was that, you know, honestly, one of the, one of the amazing things about the trip was how often things didn't go wrong. Um, we, we, 
by all rights should have gotten chased off a number of peaks by by weather or lightning or something and and really it didn't happen um, luke got sick once at uh at just after the chicago basin area um so that wasn't very cool he got taken down by something he ate um and we woke up at about six o'clock in the morning and he told me he'd been been vomiting since midnight and he looked terrible. Uh, so we ended up taking a, a zero day that day and just getting a room and, um, you know, letting him just sort of recharge. Cause he was, you know, he's a pretty tough guy to, so to see him go down as hard as it, he did that day was pretty rough. And he, he suffered for from it for a few days afterwards as well. Just the loss of energy. Yeah, I imagine that's taxing on a on a hike like this. It's it's good that you guys were within reach of of civilization to be able to do that for the night. It could have happened in worse places, I'm sure. Well, I mean, the irony was that it happened because of civilization. <laughs> I mean, it didn't happen because of food we were we were eating out there. It happened because of some some bad food that we got from a restaurant, and uh, so that was that was kind of frustrating. Um, you know, and I had I had a couple of pretty low points as well. I never really got sick like that, but there was uh, after several days of road walking, it can really take its toll. And we had to do um, a road walk essentially from oh, let's see the the west end of uh, Kurakanti Reservoir uh, all the way through Gunnison and then up to almost Crested Butte. And afterwards, I you know I was feeling okay, but we started to climb up uh, to Pearl Pass, and man, I had some of the the worst shin splint pain I have ever experienced in my life. And uh, without having stopped and taken some painkillers and getting some electrolytes in me, and Luke helping with some stretching and you know, kind of me rubbing it down and stuff like that, it it was it was pretty severe pain, and I, it slowed me down quite a bit. I think we we ended up coming up maybe 10 miles short of where we expected to that, that evening. Um, because I just, I couldn't keep the pace. Yeah. Hiking with shin splints is terrible. Yeah. I want to wish that on your worst enemy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, anything involving pain in your feet or your, your legs or anything like that, where every step sort of punctuates the pain that, that just, it's really tough to do. It, it takes its mental toll after a while. Yeah, it turns a uh, a joyous uh, occasion <laughs> into a miserable one really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is also sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, 100% Arabica coffee with compostable packaging. And you can find them at csinstant.coffee and use Adventure at checkout for 20% off. So you were telling me that you're involved with Big City Mountaineers. You want to take a little bit of time to explain what that is? Sure. So Big City Mountaineers is a uh, they're a nonprofit, and what they do is they they take kids who would probably not otherwise have an opportunity. Um, uh, these are urban kids, kids that grew, grow up in the city and don't really have a, an avenue to get outside and have wilderness experiences. Uh, but they take kids out for uh, week-long mentor wilderness mentoring programs, um, and they're they're great for a lot of these kids. It's you know the first time they've been outside and experienced nature. Uh, for a lot of them, it can be a life-changing experience. I think anybody who enjoys the outdoors probably can look back 
to some pivotal point, you know, some experience where they went outside and saw or did something amazing and, and it, it affected them and they wanted to do it again. And, and so big city Mountaineers, you know, really does provide that for a lot of kids every year. Um, and so we were pretty happy to be able to team up with them and raise, raise a few, a few bucks to, uh, to help out the cause. Yeah, that's awesome. So are these kids all around the country then? Yeah, it's a, uh, their, their office is in, um, uh, Golden, Colorado in the mountaineering building there, but they, they, they do work in, in various places. Um, if anybody wants to check out their website, it's, uh, bigcitymountaineers.org. Yeah, to be able to get the kids out is is great because it's not only the kids that experience it, but their stories and their pride of their accomplishments when they take them back and tell their tell their friends about what they did. I mean, that's that's simply infectious, you know, to get kids excited about getting out in the outdoors and experiencing these kind of things, things that they wouldn't otherwise have a chance to to see. That's great that you guys are involved with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the public spaces and wilderness areas of this country are one of our great treasures and you know if if you live in america they're your birthright you know um so for for them to be able to help some of these kids get out there and experience it is pretty cool pretty cool yeah absolutely well i'll get those uh the links to those sites put up on the show notes so people can click through and check that out and and hopefully help out if they feel that they can yeah absolutely i mean hey every dollar counts and if you're one of those people that uh does the tax tax uh exempt stuff they all all your donations to them are are tax exempt yeah absolutely even if you can't donate then uh maybe think about getting involved and and helping out with this organization and get kids out there somehow yeah well i mean the way that we did our our um fundraising was through their summit for someone program uh, and in, a lot of people raise money for them every year with it. So if you're interested, if you're going to go climb a peak somewhere, if you're going to go do a cool trip, whatever it is, check out Summit for someone um, and see if maybe it'll be a good fit for you. Right on. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. How would you say that hiking, climbing 14ers, doing the hiking that you do, how is that a, a good benefit for uh, society? Well, Honestly, anybody who goes out into the wilderness and and has a nice hike, they're going to come back smiling. And and I mean, at it, it just a fundamental level, you know, there's that. If you took any anything else away, people that go out and hike and come back are going to be at least nicer for a couple of days, right? So, so I, mean, <laughs> I would think so. There's that. I and and I think that it also serves as is inspiration. Um, you know anybody that that does something that involves long distance human powered stuff i find to be kind of inspirational and so it's always kind of cool for me when i hear about people doing things with their bodies taking them over long distances and i think that anytime you do a big trip the people that you come across um the people that that you hike with uh, it, it ends up motivating people to, to be more active and to, to, to be more involved with, with sort of the natural world. And I think that that can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, I mean, when you, when you've got people that, that do things like use their trips as a catalyst to 
basically shake down their friends and family for some donations for, for worthy causes. I mean, that's a direct financial benefit for a lot of nonprofits and things like that. So, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that, that, that do that with their annual climb of Rainier or Adams or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, those types of trips, they don't just produce nice memories for those people, but they actually do produce a tangible result as far as, you know, dollars, really. Well, that's a great opportunity for people to help out that uh, maybe don't uh, don't want to go up a 14er or, or have the wherewithal to do it. and gives them an opportunity to feel good about themselves as well. Yeah, I mean, it honestly makes them part of the trip. You know, every time that, that we got into a town and we were checking our email or something and we'd see that another donation had come in for BCM, we would get pumped. I mean, that was that was part of our experience was, was getting those, those notifications that people were donating and that would pump us up. So in a very real way, when people are donating to their friends climb or, or trip um, or the, the charity for their trip, you know, it, it, it helps motivate. So what kind of tips would you have if somebody were thinking this, uh, this guy makes it sound fun. I think I want to go try it myself. What would your advice be for somebody to get up and do it the first time? I mean, first of all, I'd say talk to any of your friends that that do this kind of stuff at all. If you've got friends that, that climb 14ers at all, talk to them. Um, if, for instance, you want to get into specifically climbing a 14er, go to 14ers.com. Tons of information there. Uh, there's also a lot of great groups on Facebook, for instance, for local hikes. Um, you've got Meetup. Uh, which is a also a ni- nice resource for people that are trying to get involved in a new activity. Um, so yeah, I mean, look look around at your local resources and also your friend and acquaintance group to to see who's already kind of doing the stuff that you want to try doing. Um, and and usually people are are happy to take you along. You know, if you're like, hey, I want to try out backpacking. Don't really have all the gear, but I want to go out for maybe a night or two. You know, a lot of people have a spare sleeping bag and a backpack and stuff like that. So, yeah, re- reach out to your friends in your social circles and and uh, and see who can help and go online to, to some of those great resources as well. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find too many people in, in this sport or related sports that aren't interested in, in lending a hand and showing you the ropes. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like you're asking somebody to show you their totally sweet morel mushroom patch you know <laughs> which if anybody has one near boulder you please write in and tell me <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> that's funny <laughs> all right so how about a funny story did something happen along the the way that we can uh, leave the listeners with a with a smile on their face well there was the time we uh sort of wished a pizza into existence um all right i'll bite yeah, so the that was kind of an interesting day of bonuses. We uh we left Fair Play intending to go up to the base of Mount Sherman. We were gonna camp out, um, and in the morning climb Mount Sherman and then continue on the way. We all of a sudden found ourselves at the base of Mount Sherman and it wasn't even noon. So we thought, well, let's go for it, you know. So we went up, got to the top of Sherman, and it started to rain and kind of snow on us. And it kept raining for the entire rest of the day. So we got down to the to the base and we thought, well, you know, 
it's early enough in the day. Let's go ahead and just keep making some miles and, and, and see how far we can go ahead and get today. And the whole time we're talking about like, oh, you know, I wonder if uh, that pizza place in Fairplay will still deliver out here. And, you know, we could set up our tarp here and just, and, and just order pizza, you know? So we were, we we're joking about pizza, you know, several times throughout the, this day. And then, just before we got to the this main road that was going to take us into the little town of Alma, uh, this truck pulls up and this guy offers us a ride. And we politely decline and explain to him that we we can't take rides because we're walking all of the fourteeners. And right. And he's like, "Huh, no kidding." You know, he tells us his kids are climbing quandary earlier that day and uh, tells us that he's going to buy us a pizza. You know, so we're like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, so he goes, yeah, you guys are going into South Park. Go, go to this or into Alma. Go to the South Park Saloon, and uh, and tell them Joel sent you, and uh, I'm going to buy you a pizza. So we're not real sure whether, like, whatever. We figure, oh, okay, cool. You know, I start laughing. The guy pulls off, and and we walk the rest of the way into town. The sun comes out just in time to set. We go into town, go into the saloon, and sure enough, the, the bartender asks us, you know, who sent us and what he looked like and what kind of car he was driving and stuff. And and she, uh, we got free pizza and a couple of couple of drinks out of it. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool, pretty cool. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. You guys run across a lot of people that are offering helping hands on these hikes, from what I understand, right? Yeah, I mean, people are friendly. You know, contrary to what people see on the evening news, pe- people by and large are, are friendly. And uh, when you're doing something that, that people think is cool, you know, offering a helping hand is, is a way that you become part of that trip. So I think people are, are prone to, to offer help. Uh, there's, there's definitely still that, that, uh, that spirit of welcoming strangers and travelers, you know. So it's it's alive and well, I assure you. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So I also wanted to mention you have a website that details a little bit about this trip. It shows the the route that you guys took and a little bit of descriptions and photos from uh from the trip. And I wanted to point that out to people. It's fourteeners through hike dot com and that's one four E R S T H R U hike.com. I'll put the link on the show notes as well so they can take a peek at that. It's a, a phenomenal journey and uh, man, good for you guys for accomplishing that. That's huge. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, I did want to actually mention too that there is a, a fellow who is going to be attempting to do um, a modified version of our route uh, this year. He'll actually be starting um, on Friday. I think that's the Friday the 10th. Um, yeah. So yeah, check him out. He's also going to be trying to raise some money for uh, a, a, a cheer, children's uh, cancer charity. So, uh, you know, if you're so inclined, definitely check him out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good deal. Janaid, thanks so much for spending a little time with me on the podcast. Uh, this sounds like a great trip, and, uh, and I hope to hear about the, the next endeavor that you guys launch out on. Absolutely. Well, you know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. I appreciate your time. Have a good night. Thanks a lot for having me. 
Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor stories. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Athletic Brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15% on your first order. After all this adventure talk, if you're needing some gear yourself, but you need some advice before buying, go to backpacktribe.com where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.